0: And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything, yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery Mystery of Everything, Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts.
1: Hello there, future friends. I'm Keena, the host of the Historical AF Podcast. Katie and Nathan wanted me to let you know that this show contains a plethora of colorful language. In other words, they cuss a lot, guys. Like a ton. I wasn't supposed to cuss. (laughs) Anywho, if cursing isn't your jam, then this may not be the podcast for you. But if you're down for some F-bombs and you dig comedy history podcasts, then you're going to love this episode and you should head on over to my show. Historical AF is a boozy and lively foul mouth comedy podcast. We are a historian, that would be me, and some special guests delivering the funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes cheers bitches hi this is katie
2: and this is nathan and you're listening
1: to queen's podcast the show about badass women in history Hey Nathan! Katie, Katie, Katie! Oh my goodness! I don't think you're ready for this episode I don't think you're ready for this episode
2: episode. It's a good song Cause your episode's bootylicious
1: Exactly! So Nathan, tell us who we're talking about today.
2: Today, we're talking about Victoria Woodhull, the first woman to run for president in the United States.
1: Yes, and tell us about the cocktail you've concocted for this one.
2: The cocktail I concocted? Yep. Um, it is. Say that five times called... fast. Cock, 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 cock. Yep. There we go. So um, um, what we're drinking today is called the President of mm-hmm. the, And it is um, half an ounce of lemon juice, an ounce of orange juice, um, an ounce of light rum, and then just a little splash of grenadine or cherry juice. I chose cherry juice. Okay. And uh, shake it up, pour it in a glass, and you got yourself a cocktail.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's nice. I really, it's like... Like I always say, I don't like cocktails with a lot of ingredients, so the less the better. And this is simple, D- gets the job done.
2: Citrusy, mm-hmm. a little, a little sweet from the grenadine slash cherry juice, a little kick of coconut from that rum. So it's yep. a very nice drink. You could easily substitute any vodka you could probably do this with champagne you could probably do this with white wine you could do this with a lot of things as long as it's a neutral kind of flavor I wouldn't put tequila in it maybe a little weird
1: it makes me wish I was sitting on the beach drinking this on the beach is where Mm. I want to be with Victoria Woodall apparently (laughs) (laughs) I feel like before we jump in I need to make a disclaimer for this episode because like we said She's most famous for being the first woman in America to run for president. But in this episode, we're not actually going to get to that part of her life. This woman lived enough life to fill up like seven episodes. And yeah, I've seen a lot of people do podcast episodes on her and knock the whole thing out in 20 minutes because they skip over the beginning of her life. But I feel like this part that has nothing to do with politics shapes her so much because she had such a weird and interesting upbringing that I couldn't bring myself to skim over it at all
2: right no like her whole first part of her life is to me one of the most interesting parts
1: it's bananas her whole life is just completely noteworthy so let's dive in
2: so Vicki was born September 23rd, 1938 in Homer, Ohio. You want to try that year again? Which makes her, oh, wait, what did I say?
1: 1938.
2: (laughs) Wow. Okay. Vicki was born September 23rd, 1838 in Homer, Ohio, which if you're keeping count, she's a Libra. Oh. Um, she's actually on the cusp of Virgo and Libra, but she ain't no fucking Virgo. In she, my opinion.
1: she definitely, she acts, she's got some Libra energy to me.
2: Exactly. So her name at birth was Victoria, California, Claflin. And she was the seventh out of 10 children, but only six of those ch- 10 children survived to adulthood.
1: Yeah. From a young age, her mom believed Victoria was special because she was the seventh child. And her mom's a bit of a religious zealot, and seven is like, A special number in the bible and a lot of people who are superstitious you know you've heard lucky number seven
2: yeah it's even part of a slot machine because it's a lucky number seven
1: right and her mom was really superstitious and really religious and so she was like from a young age she was like okay you are my special child and if you're told that enough growing up you believe it some people that would make a complete narcissist out of Luckily, I don't think it affected Vicky negatively. It just gave her a lot of confidence.
2: Yeah, if you listen to if you're a Patreon supporter in our last episode on Patreon, Keith rainier Yeah, he's one of those people that was told he was special and took it to the asshole level.
1: (laughs) Yes, Keith Rainier was a is a cult leader. If y'all haven't heard that episode or haven't kept up with um, oh that
2: yeah. Um, But the point being is that if you're told you're special. Some people turn out assholes like him, and some people turn out to be pretty good people like she was. Victoria. And just confident.
1: And so exactly. luckily, luckily, that's the way it went for her. Random side note, all the youngest children in this family have a geographical place in their name. So she's Victoria, California, and the three kids <laughs> after her are Tennessee, Odessa, and Utica.
2: <laughs> I don't know why. I think that's so funny. Like, <laughs> I'm going to name my child after uh, states or city.
1: <laughs> I don't know why.
2: Okay, <laughs> So let's talk about her upbringing a little bit. Because it's really not the bougiest that we've discussed. But don't worry. The bougie will come in one day. Yes. So they were like super duper poor. like Poor,
1: poor, 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 poor.
2: Mm-hmm. And in Homer, Ohio was already... A poor community but their family's house is like barely standing that's how poor they are Mm -hmm. the kids go and beg for food or beg for work from their neighbors like it's that bad
1: yeah the the whole community just kind of looks at them like we might be poor but we're not the claflins you know what i mean
2: Ugh. And it wasn't just like immediate family that was living with them in this like old rackety house that's about to fall down and, and not the love shack. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just the shack shack.
1: Just the shack.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it was like aunts and uncles and cousins. It was like a lot of really poor people in this poor shack. Um, yeah. And they had this kind of reputation as a family of being the outcast.
1: Yes, And that probably has to do a lot with Mr. Claflin. So let's talk about daddy because he is a piece of work. He has gone down in history as just a piece of shit, dad. And some people argue that her dad, whose name is Buck Claflin, was given a worse reputation than he actually deserved. Like later on in her life, she would shit talk him more than he deserved to get public sympathy. I don't know. From what everything I've read about him, I just don't see any redeeming qualities anywhere. So <laughs> the book I read, and I'll put it in the show notes, described him as a, a one-eyed, one-man. Crime spree. No, I don't know how he lost his eye.
2: One eyed, one man flying crime spree eater. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's all I got.
1: That's all I got. Yeah, maybe. We don't know how he lost his eye, but he just had a reputation everywhere he went of just being a a con man, a crime spree. He was, he just, not a good guy. He was, yeah, he was a,
2: yeah, and he really didn't have any problems scamming people or treating them like shit or taking their money and being like, "Oh, I'm gonna sell you something." Which next point, he was literally a snake oil salesman.
1: Yes, yeah,
2: literally. Yep. like he and his wife would make up all these like quote unquote elixirs in their kitchen, and they would sell them as a medicine, quote unquote. <laughs>
1: These people are not doctors and these elixirs are like it just reminds me of people that sell like essential oils and like this is gonna cure your migraines. <laughs> it's like okay. <laughs> and he had no issue using his children in his grift either, whatsoever.
2: Yeah. So what about mom? Mom Anna, or Roxy as she was sometimes called, was illiterate, but she was real, real fertile.
1: Babies, Um, babies, babies. The life
2: she's led, the life that she's led up to this point, left her into a pretty rough state. She was often compared to her daughters, who, you know, were later viewed as being very pretty and very cute. And the comparison was drawn about how ugly she was compared to them. Which I don't think
1: that's fair. This woman had at least 10 children like was raising all these children and lived a hard hard life so Mm -hmm. was probably married off by the time she was like age fucking 12 or some shit so sounds
2: about right and she was also deeply deeply religious yes she was said to be a spiritual healer healer or seer like I don't know if she like really believes that she's actually a seer or healer. I couldn't communicate
1: with the dead.
2: No, (laughs) but she made money from it.
1: (laughs) She definitely made money from it. Her daughters definitely saw her do it. We'll get to that a little bit.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Both of her parents were abusive. The dad would beat the children. Like they hadn't even necessarily done anything wrong. It was just like, well, I haven't, I haven't beat any of you in about a week. And if you don't get beat or you don't see your brothers and sisters get beat, you're going to become unruly children. It was like, I got to build your character, which- Barf. Barf. Yes, exactly. There is some debate about if victoria and her sisters were sexually abused this stems from one of victoria's very first biographers that said her dad made her a woman before her time so Mm. so it's open to interpretation victoria never came out saying that her dad sexually abused her um a lot of people that are victims of sexual abuse never say it Mm. also this could be interpreted that he just made her start working at a young age which made her a woman before her time i don't know it just sounds like a hard way to grow up both ways
2: right (laughs) anyway vicky was special she's like this super super cute kid and she had this like curiosity for learning that no one else in the family had and she was like super into it she was enrolled in school from ages 8 to 11 and wasn't able to attend on a regular basis but she did the outside work to make sure she knew how to read which super important would yeah. seem you know like it's it's bare minimum for us at this time, but to them that sets you apart from the rest of everybody else. Because well, yeah, most people her, didn't
1: her cousins and her siblings would like kind of make fun of her. Like, why are you wasting time on this? We're not in school. Why are you, why do you want to learn to read? You think you're better than
0: us?
1: (laughs) 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 In fact, they called her little queen as a joke. It was meant to be, you know, patronizing one because she just presented herself. Like she just had natural airs about her. Do you know what I mean? Like she just came off as somebody who carried themselves differently than anyone else in town. And then it was also like a joke because this is the Victorian age. The queen of England is Victoria. So Little queen. She may have been named after Queen Victoria. Cool. Like give her like a regal sense. Growing up in a house falling apart. Little queen.
2: (laughs) So when she was six years old, she had her first spiritual experience. She believed that she was visited by her spirit guide and the spirit of her infant sister who died at birth named Odessa. So from this point on, Vicky does believe that she has the gifts of communicating with the dead. You know, this... I don't think she's making this up. I think she honestly believes she has these powers.
1: Especially when she's six, I don't think she's making it up. She's just seen mama do it. Mm -hmm. Also, which we'll get to in a little bit, the spiritualism movement at this time in America was huge. So she's not the only child walking around saying that they see dead people, basically.
2: Mm -hmm. And at this time, her father sees this and is like, Ka-ching ka-ching. ka-ching ka-ching
1: making some money <laughs>
2: and for a few years as a child vicky would give sermons and she would charge people to, or he would charge people to come and see this you know child prodigy who the lord speaks to and and she doesn't really understand at this point that her dad's using her and she really genuinely believes that god is speaking through her and she's doing like this great service to the community
1: i'm just imagining i have like shirley temple because like this was this adorable little six-year-old with a curly head of hair i'm just imagining shirley temple doing like these fire and brimstone sermons do you know what i mean Just like, the good ship, you're all going to hell, you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
1: That's just the picture that's in my head, just like far and brimstone. And I don't know oh, any yeah. other Shirley Temple songs, <laughs> except for the good shit. Tap <laughs> <poly-pop, so. laughs> dancing down the stairs, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but again, Victoria is being told how special she is and she really believes it. Also, maybe thinks she'll get some positive reinforcement. Yeah parents who are honestly not super affectionate with their kids
1: right like and she lives in this house with so many fucking people it Mm. must be so hard to get attention this fact that she's got this special quality that's going to make everyone look at her is just so good for her ego
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, green.
1: Yes. So this goes on for a couple of years. And then her sister, Tennessee, who's five years younger than her, also starts showing psychic abilities. This made me think of, you have older brothers and sisters, so maybe mm-hmm. you can speak to it too. I was the oldest of all the sis- all the siblings and all the cousins. When I was younger, anything I was into, my younger cousins had to be into as well. Like, it's just uh, kind of- oh, for sure. It's just like a natural thing to want to do whatever the older person, is, the older kid is doing so I wonder if Tennessee just was like well my cool older sister is de- can speak to dead people hey guess what I could speak to dead people
2: I also think like even with Victoria when she's like I can speak to dead people I think it's because she saw mom speaking to dead people and wanted to be like her mother and so it's just like this generational thing that just keeps happening and everybody's like I want to be just like them oh I can I I see dead people
1: (laughs) Vicky and Tennessee end up being like major players in each other's lives they're very 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 close and I think it has so much to do with this shared experience that we're about to talk about about that they went through as children being these like child prodigy of the spiritual movement, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. So they become like this uh, sister sister duo who can speak to the dead, like you know, Tia and Tamara. They're basically yeah. Tia and Tamara, but basically speak to dead people, but plus know? dead people, or Mary Kate Nashley Olsen and speak to dead people, but
1: plus dead people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But the public at this time, they are fucking obsessed with this concept. Mm -hmm. Like, they're like dead people. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. And so we'll give one thing to Buck. He really did have a knack of knowing what people wanted to see and hear and making some money and capitalizing on it. And at this time, spiritualism was on the rise. Like, Big time in the United States. And since children are this represent like this pureness and women are also meant to be more likely to be able to act as mediums, having a female child that could claim to speak to the dead, that's like the holy fucking grail.
1: Yeah, jackpot. A hundred percent. Who knows if Sister Tennessee had showed any signs of this or if daddy was just like, okay, you you need to jump on board. Do you, do you know who the Fox sisters are? Yes. For anybody listening that doesn't, the Fox sisters at this exact same time were these sisters in New York who were basically like the biggest celebrities in America. And they were to- like 11 and 14 year old sisters that claim to be mediums and held seances. And so this kind of reminds me of, do you remember when we were like in middle school, NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys came out and then all Mm. these other copycat boy bands came out? I feel like Daddy was trying to make like the 98 degrees of the Fox Sisters. He was just no. Trying.
2: <laughs> that makes sense because the Fox Sisters were also these big proponents of spiritualism. Yeah, and so let's give like a real, real quick rundown of what spiritualism yeah. is. So the definition is spiritualism is a religious movement based on the belief that the spirits of the dead exist and have both the ability and the inclination to communicate with the living. The afterlife or the quote unquote spirit world is seen by spiritualists not as a static place, but as one in which spirits continue to evolve.
1: So basically our dead loved ones, after they pass away, they go on and live in the spirit world where they're still learning and growing
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they really, really, really want to communicate with their living loved ones. Like it makes me think, okay, did Shakespeare die and Hamlet and write like Hamlet part two, the afterlife or something? like
2: that? <laughs> oh my God. So <laughs> a big part of the spiritualist movements are mediums a medium is someone who speaks to the dead in case you live under a rock and communicates their message over to the living for a little bit of money.
1: ka <laughs>
2: <laughs> And lots of rich people paying a lot of money to speak to their dead loved ones and seances with mediums was happening all the time. So right. it was a big money industry at this point. Daddy coached the
1: girls how to read people, which I thought was so interesting because, you know, like, like we said, he's a con man actually get that far being a con man. You can't be stupid. You have to know how to read people. And so he's learned how to read body language. He's learned like people's tells and he's teaching that to his young daughters. He would also, they'd go to town to town Mm -hmm. and he would travel a couple of days before the family, go to the saloons and listen for the local gossip go pick up the obituary, the newspapers and read the obituaries.
2: Clever. And
1: then whenever his family met up with them, he'd be like, this is what I found out. This is what I know. But like, he was always making his daughters think that they definitely could do this. Mm -hmm. So he would like, just kind of be like, well, so-and-so just passed away. So I don't know, maybe that their widow is going to want to come see you. You know, stuff like that. Uh,
2: Coaching them, leading them on.
1: Yes, he was very clever.
2: He was able to read body language because he was a poker player. So Mm -hmm. you kind of have to do that. At this point, he's very much using his daughters right now. Oh
1: my God, yeah.
2: Yeah, and they would end up going on to use these skills of reading people for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm.
1: so yay! luckily they are able in their adult lives to use these skills for good right <laughs> like, yeah so they are making all this money, but there are no child labor laws at the time, unsurprisingly. So Vicky in Tennessee, or Tenny, as everyone calls her, they aren't seeing a dime of this money. And Buck is charging a dollar a head to see them. My new favorite website is called in2013dollars.com. And you put in the m- amount and the year, and then like you can see the inflation for today. Oh, okay. That's about $30 to $35 today. And each seance would have about three to five people. And that's per head. Like I did a quick, like just, oh, let me just see. I'm I'm guessing they're pulling in like the average of about like $200,000 a year.
2: Oh, wow. So they're making a lot of money.
1: They're making, I mean, with how many mouths there are to feed. I'm sure it's like, and their dad gambling a lot of it away, but they're making money. They're not seeing a fucking dime of this money. Mm -hmm. They're not getting days off. They're not going on vacation. They're not getting fancy clothes.
2: No, it's all getting funneled to the family. And so their lives aren't getting any better from what they were. Mm -mm. They are literally the ones making all the money. And they are literally the ones that are breadwinners for this huge extended family. You know, they're working from dusk until dawn. And Victoria's like 12 and Tenny's like six or seven. So. This has got to be exhausting work for them.
1: I mean, they believe, let's say they do believe in what they're doing. That's exhausting trying to be like, put your actual soul into this work to speak to dead people. But even if they didn't believe in what they were doing, that's exhausting acting.
2: <laughs> that's a yeah, lot. Right? acting. Yeah, right? <laughs> All day. <laughs> the theater. Yeah. Also, this was kind of child abuse. It's okay, definitely, not child, definitely it's child abuse. <laughs> yeah, it's child abuse. Uh, Buck was literally starving his daughters. He mm-hmm. thought it would make them like work harder and made ended up making people feel sorry for them. And uh, Victoria's first biographer, a guy named Theodore Tilton, wrote, Victoria was a green leaf and her relatives were caterpillars ready to devour her. I think
1: that's perfect. Mm -hmm. I think it gives... That perfectly sends the message of the kind of life she was living. After a few years, Victoria realizes how much money they're making and how her life still sucks so much. And she's pissed off.
2: I would be too. She's
1: mad as hell and she ain't gonna take it anymore. Except she's 13, so what choice does she have? Right. (laughs) But she sets her mind to it. She's like, I'm gonna get out of this. I'm gonna get myself out of this situation I'm going to find myself a good husband. So she's 14. So to us, we're like, okay, what? In like 10 years. But back then, being married at 15 wasn't uncommon. So 14 sounds like a reasonable time to start searching for a husband.
0: Mm -hmm. gross (laughs)
1: queen's (laughs) podcast official (laughs) official stance on this gross
2: yeah so even though it's like she's 14 and she's old enough to be thinking about marriage she's not going to tell her daddy Buck that he'd never fucking allow it Mm -hmm. she's bringing in the money honey so enter Canning Woodhull. Canning is a 28-year-old and moves into town as a new doctor in town.
1: Doctor, honey.
2: And he is the son of a judge. And he has an uncle that's a prominent mayor on the East Coast. And his family's got money, honey.
1: Money, honey. Victoria's (laughs) been sick off and on for two years with a fever and a chill, probably because she's exhausted and starving, literally. And so the doctor comes to see her for the first time when she's about 14. And soon she's getting better. I don't think this is attributed to him being an awesome doctor. I think he was just like, hey, let's give her some food. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Let's feed her yeah that might be good
1: (laughs) but he's really interested in her I mean she's very cute she's very personable she's funny and he starts taking her out on dates And he starts giving her nicknames. He calls her my little chick, which I don't think chick for a woman was a normal term back then. I think it was just a cute little nickname that he gave her. He's making her feel really special, but it has nothing to do with like her powers to talk to the dead or whatever. It's just about her.
2: So it made her, it's like finally someone who likes me for me, not my psychic abilities.
1: Not how much money I can make them,
0: (laughs) (laughs) right? Subscribe to History's Secret Heroes wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So he, he's also the most eligible bachelor in town. He's a doctor, if we haven't mentioned. Um, his dad is a judge, if we haven't mentioned. His <laughs> uncle is a mayor, if we haven't mentioned. He's got a his nest family, egg. Yeah, big old nest egg. Yeah. Um, so about a year later when he proposes, she's like, jackpot, I just won the lottery. Yeah. So they're married when she's 15 and he's 28. So extra gross.
1: Ick. Yay! but guess what his dad not a judge what that mayor in new york that he said is his uncle doesn't know who he is bitch his family doesn't have any money he is so badly in debt but what he lacks in money he more than makes up for with an alcohol and morphine addiction
2: oh just what i want in my husband alcoholic morphine addict
1: yeah we thought he was a doctor though fun fact Just about anyone could claim to be a doctor back then.
2: Yeah, they basically were like, hey, you have a cold. Here's some cocaine.
1: Yeah, (laughs) here's
2: some (laughs) cocaine.
1: You got ghosts in your (laughs) blood. Here's some cocaine. Um, So
2: a few weeks after their wedding, Victoria found a letter from another woman to Canning that said, did you marry that child because she was too was on the And off a means like in the family way, a.k.a. Is she pregnant? Yeah.
1: Is, is she too <laughs> pregnant? Mm-hmm. It turns out on their wedding day, his mistress, like two or three towns over, gave birth to his illegitimate child.
2: On her wedding day. <laughs> on their wedding day. <laughs> what the
1: fuck?
0: <laughs> so
1: he's an alcoholic womanizer with no money. Cool, 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 cool. Yay.
2: Makes me want to- To be an alcoholic too? No, but she doesn't do that. Mm. (laughs) History's a bag of dicks. She can't fucking leave him. Um, She's she's a child. Yeah, right. She's been busting her ass her whole childhood, but has no right to any of that money.
1: Right? It's her dad's money because there's no Mm -hmm. child labor laws or anything. And like, it was so taboo for a wife to leave her husband back then. Like, if a marriage falls apart it's immediately like, well, what did she do to make him leave? If he uh, cheats, oh, it's yeah. like, what did sh- what why were you incapable of keeping your husband happy? What did you do to make him go astray? And that isn't even taking in the legal aspects of a woman trying to divorce oh, her husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if she divorced him, what is she going to do? Go back, like, she, she's, she's in a shit sandwich. <laughs> Both- <laughs> Both pieces of the sandwich are shitty. She's in the middle.
2: <laughs> so within a year of her marriage, she's preggers. Um, she probably thought, okay, like many women do, think, okay, having this baby is going to change my man and make him a better husband. Because she's like a child and has no idea that you can't really change a man that that's old and the world kind of fucking sucks. So, yeah.
1: And uh, he, he's really abusive. He, well, we've already discussed that he's an alcoholic and some people are mean drunks. And he is, and he's really violent to her while she's pregnant.
2: Ugh, he's rarely home. And he's like going to brothels all the time. Yeah. And they're, they're like now living in Chicago. And so she doesn't have that huge, well, you know, the little piece of bread that's the shit yeah. of the, her big family. You know, she doesn't have that big, family around her which she's you know so I mean, often to have if she it, had the family alone.
1: there at least that then she would have company while he's at the brothel mm-hmm. you know but they don't she's she is all alone um
2: her... all by myself exactly
1: oh poor, <laughs> poor baby vicky so their first child byron woodhall was born new year's eve 1854 she's 16 canon delivers the baby because remember he's a quote-unquote doctor but he is drunk as fuck when he delivers this baby oh, and that's great. yeah and the baby byron is born with developmental issues i don't really know what he would be diagnosed with today because victoria was so embarrassed about this that she never gave anybody a whole lot of details. She just wrote that she was so sad that their baby wasn't perfect. But whatever his diagnosis would have been, he's never going to live an independent life.
2: Mm -hmm. So Victoria blamed Canning. You know, he was drunk when Byron was conceived. He got drunk and beat the shit out of her when she was pregnant was drunk when he was delivering him and possibly caused some damage at that point. He may have also dropped Byron right after delivery.
1: Yeah. So yeah. something, ick another icky thing though, that we need to talk about, about Victoria. I would love to not talk about this, but I feel like we need to talk about the good and the bad of every queen we cover. Um, Victoria believed in eugenics which at the time was a popular movement. Actually, throughout America, eugenics was a popular movement until Hitler rolled through and then nobody liked eugenics anymore. I'm not making excuses for her because it's a disgusting fact of her life, but I guess I just want to like set the scene that like even Helen Keller, who was born deaf and, bl- deaf and blind, was for eugenics.
2: If you're not familiar with eugenics, it's basically the belief that people with good genes reproduce and those that have undesirable genes should not reproduce and she's thinking you know my husband's an alcoholic (laughs) maybe I shouldn't reproduce with him (laughs) yeah it was a dark time for her Um, (laughs) yeah
1: and so not long after they have another kid a baby girl named Zulu I have no idea where that name comes from but I am into it
2: it's like basically the knockoff version of Hulu
1: Yes, I'm pretty sure that's what they were thinking. They, they later changed it to Zula, which I didn't know that's something you could do. Just later change your baby's name. But okay. Cannon delivers Zula drunk as fuck, as he does. And then he takes off to go celebrate the birth of his daughter at the bar down the street. But like the doors didn't lock from the inside of their apartment. And so he locked it from the outside, you know, to keep them safe inside. So it's mama, newborn baby, and special needs toddler locked in this apartment.
2: And apparently Canning had cut the umbilical cord a little too short and a little too wrong. Just wrong. Just I wrong. don't
1: I don't know. I don't know nothing about birth and no babies, Miss Scarlett. So I <laughs> don't really know how you cut an umbilical cord wrong, but he did.
2: And she got really sick and was like bleeding heavily locked in a fucking tiny apartment so she panics
1: oh yes i feel like i'm is the appropriate response is panicking
2: (laughs) yeah right and thank god a neighbor in the apartment ends up hearing her and they go down in there and break down the door and call a real fucking doctor who's not fucking drunk and she could have like easily died at this point but luckily mama and baby girl make it out and make it through.
1: However, Vicky doesn't have any more children. I th- Nothing I read really ever speaks to why this is. I don't know if this damaged her reproductive organs or maybe she practiced some kind of whatever the 19th century version of birth control was.
2: <laughs> but I,
1: I she was done after that and I don't blame her.
2: Right? I wouldn't either. Your husband's an asshole.
1: Cannon was gone for three days after zula's birth Holy shit. and oh my god on the third day she's like sitting at her window just basically being like where the fuck is this dude and she sees him coming down the street like stumbling down the street and she's like finally he goes into the wrong building Oh
2: my god.
1: <laughs> and she and she has to like yell out the window like wrong house you drunk dummy
2: she's fucking done dude (laughs) she's
1: so fucking done with his shit do you blame her
2: (laughs) no like she comes to the realization that she's like okay no number of babies is gonna make him act right he's just the way he is he's just gonna be this way
1: so it was probably around this time that vicky started to develop her quote unquote radical ideas about marriage in the next episode, we'll talk about it a little more in depth, but she was a believer in a concept called free love. So yeah. let's give like a brief description of what that is.
2: So this isn't what we think of as like hippies in the 1960s free love where everybody's just
1: fucking, fucking everybody.
2: Everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a belief that a woman should just have autonomy in who she marries or doesn't want to marry and that the law should not be involved in it at all
1: yeah i think that's why free is in there because it shouldn't be the the law shouldn't be a part of it so it's mm-hmm. free i think is her thinking
2: yeah so it's basically the belief that you should choose who you love and people should not be forced into marriages by their families which right. sounds okay. Yeah. today
1: and, <laughs> and it's the belief that you should love someone for as long as you love them. And when you're no longer in love with them, you should be able to leave that marriage if you want to, without losing any rights. The government should have nothing to do with your bedroom, basically.
2: Exactly. And she believed that a woman should be able to decide that if she doesn't want to have children, she doesn't have to fucking have children.
1: And that was a super radical thought at the time. She believed that men and women should be equal players in a marriage. If a woman decides she doesn't want to be in that marriage anymore because her husband nearly kills her, <laughs> she shouldn't just automatically lose all her money and the rights to her children. Again, very radical for the time, even though it's like the bare minimum, most of that for us now.
2: Yeah, right.
1: Let's take a quick break to mull over these radical ideas. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back okay so we're back and we were just talking about how vicky has kind of is starting to develop these radical thoughts about what she believes marriage should be but still stuck in this shitty marriage
2: and when canning says we're moving to san francisco What's she supposed to fucking do? She's in her early 20s with two babies, one being a special needs. She has no money, no education. So I guess we're moving to San Francisco. Yeah. So if
1: you're wondering why San Francisco, the California gold rush had kicked off like eight years prior to this. So all kinds of people moved to California in search of their fortune. Um, by now, 1856 is what we're talking about. The gold rush was pretty much dried up, but there are still a lot of out- people out there as a result. And Canon is like, oh, I bet they could really use a quote unquote doctor out there.
2: <laughs> and another thing to note about San Francisco at this time it was not really the ideal place to, you know, take an attic to live. I
1: Yeah, compare it to modern day Las Vegas.
2: Yeah, it's a party town. It's like saloons, yeah. ladies of the night, all this sort of debauchery. Yeah. And I don't know how much Vicky actually knew about this in her new hometown before she got there, but she learned pretty quickly upon arriving that that she was not going to be seeing her husband anytime soon. (laughs) Mm -mm.
1: So she gets, she gets a job. She's not seeing her husband. He's not bringing home a whole lot of money. So she gets her first job besides being a spiritualist um, as a cigar girl at a saloon. So Mm. there are some disputes about like what the responsibilities of a cigar girl was. When I initially read it, I just kind of thought, you know, the ladies that walk around with those like little boxes on the straps that go on their shoulders and like the movies with from the 20s on. and little yeah, cute and hats selling shorts. cigars mm-hmm. and cigarettes or whatever. That's just kind of what I thought. But word on the street back then is that cigar girls were, they sold you cigars, but then also they were like entry-level prostitutes. So not like sex or BJ's, but hey, maybe if you wanted a handy in the bathroom, <laughs> our girl might be able to do that for you. Uh,
2: I mean, we have no way of knowing this for sure, but it's just speculation of what her job may have entailed. A girl's oh, got to do, her... do what a girl's got to do.
1: Yeah, oh, no, hey, it's not like she was getting any help from anyone else and she's got mouths to feed. So girl's got to do someone eventually was like you're really pretty you have a really good stage presence why don't you audition for a play
2: yeah and so she becomes an actress for a while she was in a play called new york by gaslight and her character was called country cousin basically it's like katie country cousin number two country
1: cousin number two Yeah, <laughs> just wore a short skirt and danced <laughs>
2: side note the synopsis of this play is quote unquote the festivities of prostitution the orgies of pauperism the haunts of theft and murder the scenes of drunkenness and beastly debauch and all the sad realities that go to make up the lower stratum the underground story of life in new york
1: sounds fun to me and see i mean it's not exactly king lear but no. <laughs> it sounds like a, I, I'd watch that play. That sounds fun.
2: Yeah, and again, there's these rumors about what actresses actually do on this side, which makes me think of Theodora mm-hmm. because, you know, she kind of did a little ha-ha-ha on the side. But she started as an actress, and, you know, again, we just don't know for yeah. sure with Vicky what if she did that or not, but it's just speculative.
1: Yeah, I mean, she would have made a lot more money, so... Mm. I'm not, again, I'm not going to hold it against her if she did do a little
2: handy on the side,
1: a little handy or whatever she needed to do on the side. So one night Vicky is on stage and she has a vision. She has a vision that her sister, Tennessee, is calling her and is like, I'm in trouble. You need to come home.
2: Basically, it was like, Vicky, I'm a danger girl. Yes,
1: exactly. Yes. yes. I don't know. Who knows if this actually happened? It's a cool story to like add into the lore of your life, you know? She swears it, so she leaves the stage. Like apparently she just left the stage in the middle of a production in the costume and was just like, Canon, we got to go. Tinny needs me. I'm sure the stage manager was like,
2: rude. <laughs>
1: Can I have my costume on, uh, please? <laughs>
2: right. So the family fled to the Midwest to meet up with the Claflins. And when Vicki and the fam gets there, what she finds is really ups- unsettling. Uh, Tinny is supporting the whole extended family with her psychic and healing powers. Their dad, Buck, had been pushing Tinny and the family as cancer cures. So yeah. Tennessee would go see someone who was sick with cancer and then he put hand, they put hands on him and claim that she's healing them and tell them, you know, this is what the spirits are saying about you. And then Buck would roll on in and be like, you know what? You need to buy some of our cancer care and elixir to go with it.
1: That was a really good Buck Claflin impression. I really liked that.
2: I know. Well, I mean, his name's <laughs> Buck.
1: Book. one <When> I Buck. <laughs> <laughs> Buck also called himself the king of cancer.
2: That's not a good name.
1: That's not a good name at all. Let's talk about these elixirs that him and his wife were making. The primary ingredients were opium and lye.
2: Oh, wow. why? Lye. Like burn your skin off lye?
1: Yes. It makes me think of, do you remember, did you ever see Fight Club? Like they would put lye on their skin as like part of initiation. Yes. And it like burns a hole in your skin. Well, they're like, yeah, the burn means it's working. It's burning away the cancer. Um, but it it wasn't. It was just <laughs> burning people's skin off.
2: They were too doped up on opium to even realize it, I, I would assume. Right?
1: I forget what state it's in. The stories and the dates and the locations of the next few years are blurry. Because it's not like anybody was keeping record, you know? Mm-hmm. The Claflins, namely Tennessee, somebody had died from one of their elixirs because lion opium. <laughs> <We've-> <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Keep up. <laughs> and um, Victoria, or I'm sorry, um, Tenny was charged with humbuggery, which is a cute name for, um, you know, manslaughter.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Is this humbuggery? just reminds me of Scrooge.
1: Yeah, right. Hum- humbuggery. Hum- yeah no it was um it basically meant you know conning people um so they were a humbuggery and manslaughter what's fucked up is it's only the authorities were only after Tennessee they like so fucked up (laughs) Tennessee was the face of it yeah but Buck was the one making the the cure that was going to burn your skin off (laughs) so they skipped town and I think they headed back to Ohio they're just kind of all over the Midwest right now yeah the fun thing about running from the police in this time is you just have to go like the next town over and they're just like, oh, I guess she's gone forever. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was real easy to get away. Right. So it's like 1865 or somewhere around there, which means they're in the midst of a civil war. You know, maybe you've yeah. heard of it. Nothing that is in the research shows that the civil war was a factor in this story, which is just I- really weird.
1: I had it in my mind that the Civil War was fought all over the United States. And then I looked it up and I was wrong. They mainly stayed in like Illinois, New York, and you know, places in the Midwest and the Northeast. And the Civil War was a lot more apparently in the South and Pennsylvania. So I guess they just avoided the South and Pennsylvania.
2: <laughs> I don't
1: know. I'm not, American history is actually my worst, my
2: worst subject. <laughs> <laughs> so Vicki and her fam stay with the Clacklands for a bit. And Vicky gets pulled back into the business of reading people and performing spiritual healings. And one way that the Civil War does affect this part of the story is that spiritualism took a huge leap in popularity during and right after the Civil War. Like every single person in the country knew someone that died in the war. And because of photography, people are starting to see all of these atrocities of battlefields with all these dead people. So that really does a number on the psyche of the American people at the time.
1: Yeah, because before then, you know, war, you just hear about like, they went down in a blaze of glory, they died heroically, and now they're seeing the pictures of the battlefields, and it's like, ew, that's not, nothing about that that looks, you know, glorious. Or blazy. Yes, it's just all (laughs) death. Regardless if we believe that their powers were real or not, they are definitely taking advantage of the situation and working telling people that they can help you talk to your dead relatives, which there is a surplus of at the time.
2: (laughs) So Vicky's not a little girl anymore. And she's like, hey, sis, shit's dumb over here. We're supporting all these freeloading family fucks. Um, They're seriously using us. We're both the ones that are like working all day and we don't see a dime for ourselves. So let's GTFO gtfo y'all i tail it out of here
1: so vicky Tenny, cannon and the kids they take off and end up in st louis cannon is getting worse and worse on his drunken sprees he's like not coming home for days on end he just takes off getting high with his buddies and he'll come back when he runs out of money and he's not working he's not contributing we're not even pretending he's a doctor anymore you
2: know yeah and and vicky he and Tenny were working and making a great living as spiritual advisors and healers as you know they do and making the money and Vicky's like pitch is freeloading too like my hubby's freeloading too so she starts to think about divorce
1: which wouldn't be easy it would be an uphill battle for her to obtain a divorce as a single woman with it would still be viewed as an unreliable income even though she's the only one making money so but she was done with this bullshit and she's just like i need to figure out how to get out of this
2: so one day a man makes an appointment to come see her and he's 29 year old civil war veteran he had dark almost black colored eyes and hair he had five bullet wounds scars Mm. And he had great manners, didn't drink, really big into spiritualism. And his name is super fucking metal.
1: It is. Colonel
2: James Blood.
1: Blood. (laughs) He's the blood colonel, like the blood countess. But (laughs) Colonel Blood held public office. Like he was really respected in his community. He didn't go to brothels. He didn't spend all his money on booze and opium. He had a job.
2: He had a job. If you wanna be with me, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so he was looking pretty damn good to her, and it seems the feeling was mutual.
2: But the story goes that Jimmy Blood called her around for a spiritual healing session, and he's like. Yo, girl, you are the big talk of the town right now, and I want to see this shit for myself. Mm -hmm. So he schedules a one-on-one session, and the story goes that she goes into a trance, and the spirit speaks to her, and the spirit informs her that the colonel and her wanted to be married. And literally, by the end of the session, the two considered each other betrothed.
1: And I put in the show notes, a little meme saying, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but there's, there's just one tiny little issue.
1: Is it that they're both already married?
2: Bingo. <laughs> hey, 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 wait a second, Katie. The spirit said that this is supposed to happen. So we got to break the news to our spouses now.
1: We got we to get divorced and get remarried. No big deal. I had a hard time finding anything out about um, the blood colonel's first wife. I don't know what her what happened to her life after he divorces her. I imagine it's not great from everything we know about women getting divorced back then. But I hope he set her up with some money. I hope she got some alimony. Something. Vicky divorces Cannon, or does she? <laughs> She, yeah, she we really, says she does, yeah, but we really don't know if
2: her and Canning are actually legally divorced at this point. There's like so many conflicting stories.
1: They were, you know, they're like necessarily keeping the best records. So we don't know. She says they divorce, but we don't know if they do legally. In her heart, in her spirit, in her free love mind of how she believes marriage should work. He is no longer her husband. So I guess that's all that matters
2: yeah right like that's that's one of the beliefs that people said it's like she divorced him on the grounds of believing in that free love yeah some others say they were never legally married while canning was alive because it was going to be like this huge pain in the ass to make drunk ass opiumed up canning to get to show up to these divorce hearings. Exactly. And and some people believe they were just like regular married in 1866. You mean her? You her mean Vicky,
1: married. Vicky and Jimmy? Vicky Blood? And,
2: and Jimmy Blood. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they got married, but again, or did they? Yeah. Yeah, they definitely considered themselves married, but we just don't know how how much the law, how much legally, but again, that didn't matter to her. She didn't think the law should have anything to do with it. By 1866, they were in their minds married. We just don't know. There's, they've never found a marriage certificate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so Colonel Jimmy Blood is eventually like, you know where we should be? New York. Concrete jungle where dreams
1: are made of. Oh
2: no, I was going for Frank Sinatra.
1: Mm, well, <laughs> i to have to agree to disagree <laughs> on what which song it is.
2: <laughs> But New York at this point is where all the money's at. And, Mm -hmm. you know, literally her and her sister could make a name for themselves there. So long and confusing story short, the sister and the death metal Colonel blood head out to New York. And that will start an entirely different chapter in her life.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's like night and day how her life changes after moving to New York, which we will get to next time.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode,
1: Thanks guys. for listening. I'll talk to you soon, Nathan. Love you guys.
0: Bye. Hello, everyone. It's you here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life well if so then look no further history of everything is just the right podcast for you it's available on spotify pandora and anywhere else that you get your podcast from join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be